Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, folks, we are here. This is the, you know what they say, the second time is the charm. Mark and I spoke for about 40 minutes in the last hour, unfortunately, for technical difficulties. Nevertheless, we are back for Across the Cavs Season 2, Episode 8. I'm Zach Weiss, your host, as always. Give me the latest scoop from Cavaliers Kingdom. And today, we will be talking to the Cavalier legend, four-time All-Star, Four-time All-NBA, two-time three-point shootout champion, Mark Price. And Mark, first off, thank you for wanting for being able to do this a second time. I'm very sorry the last one did not record. Well, hopefully this time it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the mindset of somebody that averaged 20 points per game on the highest level, played in the Eastern Conference Finals, and even got to play with both of his brothers on the court in both high school and the NBA. So, Mark, bringing it back from the top of our first conversation, you talked about your love of basketball kind of coming from your dad being involved in the game. And now growing up, what was it kind of like having a father that was that close? He was on the Phoenix Suns bench as an assistant. What was that like for you growing up, having a father around the game? Uh, it was really cool. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, I was born. My dad was a high school coach when I was born, and, you know, went on, he did that, went on to coach college and, and at the University of Oklahoma, and then, you know, went on to become an assistant for the Phoenix Suns and when I was about 10 years old. So, you know, I was old enough, you know, at that age to really kind of understand what was going on around me. And, and it's probably at that, that time of, you know, those two years when we were at the Phoenix Suns that, that really cemented my love for the game of basketball because I got to see the best players in the world you know, come through. I went to all the games. Uh, you know, I tried to go home and, you know, get out in the driveway and, and try to imitate what I, what I, what I had seen. And, and it was just a, a great, great time of life. And Mark, growing up as a Hooper, middle, high school, college, et cetera, was there anyone you played with before you got to Georgia Tech that you would actually wind up playing with or against in the NBA in your days in Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, there was there was a lot of guys. Uh, Wayman Tisdale, you know, uh, the late great Wayman Tisdale, yep. who uh, you know played in the NBA for years, was a legend at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, we we played against each other in high school. Uh, you know, John Starks, who played for the New York Knicks. Yes. Uh, John Starks was in Tulsa playing at Tulsa Central when I was at Eden. We were all in the same conference. Played against those guys every year. Uh, Anthony Bowie. Uh, who played uh, for the Orlando Magic, uh, you know, so we had a really strong crew, uh, you know, of, of players in Oklahoma who's, who's it's really known for a football state, but uh, a lot of good basketball players come out of there. And they called you, Mark, you know, your nickname, the, the OK Kid, where did that come from? And is that something you still like people to call you by today? Well, that was just a, kind of a nickname when I first got to Georgia Tech, you know, all the guys on the team, you know, I mean, it was kind of rare to have somebody in Georgia, you know, from Oklahoma. So, you know, they just kind of start calling me the OK Kid and, you know, it kind of stuck while during my years there. I 
you know, I kind of got other nicknames later on from some of my Cavs teammates down the road. But uh, kind of while I was at Georgia Tech, everybody kind of knew me as the OK kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was your favorite nickname when you were on the Cavs? And which teammate gave it to you? Uh, well, Larry Nance was the nickname giver, you know, so he had a nickname <laughs> for everybody on the team. But, you know, he called me a uh, little bit. <laughs> a little so, bit. Uh, yeah, so uh, everybody around the Cavs kind of knew who Little Bit was. So uh, that was that was Larry Nance's doing. And then before you were with the Cavs, you mentioned you were at Georgia Tech, standout four-year career. You averaged 20 as a rookie. Career average is a 17.3 boards and four assists. And also, people don't realize that averaging four assists in college is almost the equivalent of, I would say, almost double that in the NBA based on difficulty of passes and how hard it honestly is to find cutters as often. So – what did you do? What was your mindset at Georgia Tech? And you talked about playing with three other freshman stars when you first got there, so four out of five. What was your mindset there? You kind of went out every night for somebody that really was somebody that everybody would tune in to see when you were playing. Put up big numbers every night. Yeah, uh, the ACC was really the first league to uh, experiment with the three-point line my freshman year. And so that was one of the reasons I was able to lead the league in scoring. I beat Michael Jordan out for the scoring title uh, that year in college. And it was because of they experimented with the three point line. Unfortunately for me, they took, took it out and uh, yep. you know, the next three years. And then the year I graduated, they put it in for the NCAA for everybody. So, ah. it was, uh, uh, so I, I don't know, man, I always kind of said it was the Mark Price rule. The ACC didn't want it in until I, <laughs> Until I got out of school, because I was uh, I was using it to my advantage when it was in. And then after your fourth season, the Mark Price rule in effect. You took it with you, although first year not as many threes. Obviously, it's always an adjustment in the NBA. You only took seventy your rookie year. You made twenty three, but that season you didn't start any games. And talk about learning. What did you learn that helps you the most? Obviously, being around pros, and obviously when you're not starting games, you're coming off the bench, you're watching everything unfold, which is why you got some great sixth men nowadays, like the Jordan Clarkson and the Williams, but what did you take away from that first season that guided you to averaging 17 a game as a first-year starter in your second season? Yeah, I think just the over, you know, you learn a lot just from uh, going through it, you know, because you're used to playing about 30 games a season in college, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're playing not only 82 games, and then, you know, you got about eight preseason games. So you're playing at least 90 games, and that's before you can get to the playoffs. So, you know, it was a, a grind, uh, something you had to kind of get used to. Uh, obviously, everybody you're playing with was a was a all, you know, all-world player coming out of college. And so, you know, your whole level had to, you know, raise to a different place. And and that was the challenge. And, you know, I had some ups and downs my rookie year. I also had an appendicitis attack that put me out for a month. And and so uh, there was, you know, a lot of ups and downs my first year. But I know leaving that, having that experience and being a backup for John Bagley and, and getting, you know, like you said, about 17 minutes a game. Um, I left that year knowing that I, I belonged in the league. I, I got a taste of it. I, I knew what I needed to do to kind of get my game, get back in the best shape of my life, coming back for my second year. And, and that's what I did. And, and the Cavs had drafted Kevin Johnson. So it was, yep. uh, you know, wasn't looking good, at, uh, you know, for me at the time. But things kind of worked out. The Cavs traded John Bagley in the summer to Boston. And uh, Kevin was a couple weeks late to camp. So, 
you know, I had the whole team to myself for like two weeks and I took advantage of it. I was, uh, I was on fire by the time Kevin showed up and, and uh, Lenny gave me a chance to win the spot and I was able to do that. And then that's kind of history in the May. They traded Kevin, you know, during the season uh, to get Larry Nance. And that was kind of one of those trades that was good for both teams. Kevin went on, Kevin went on a career himself, but you know, opened up that opportunity for me in Cleveland, and that's kind of when my career took off. And then what was it like playing for a coach that won it all in the 70s, won back-to-back Western Conference titles? Lenny Wilkins, 1,300 career coaching when you got to spend seven years with him. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I love I love Lenny, and, and getting, to, getting to play for him was just really special for me. Uh, not only was he a Hall of Fame player, but coach as well, but he played my position. So I really just kind of was a sponge. I just, anything, any pointers he would give me, anything, you know, little things he would point out that only point guards could kind of understand. Uh, that was a real blessing for me to get a chance to play for, for somebody like that and to help develop my game. And, and Lenny was, you know, he was always a little bit ahead of the curve because, you know, he, when they brought me in, I was probably more of a shooting guard and a point guard body. You know, I wasn't very big, but I could really shoot. And that really wasn't the model of the point guard in the league at the time. Uh, you know, you had more guys in the mold of a Mo Cheeks, you know, run the team, play with the, you know, and hit an open shot every now and then. Uh, but, you know, I had a scoring mentality. I had the ability to stretch defenses from the three-point line. And Lenny really saw that as an advantage uh, not only for me, but for our team. And he, uh, you know, didn't try to take that away from me, but use that for, for our advantage. And then you talk about that, and you go on just your third season, second as a starter, the rare 50-40-90 club, only nine players have ever done it. You do it in your third season. What does it mean to you? Obviously it means that Mark Price is the most effective player in the game, almost 53% from the floor, 44 percent from three 90 percent from the line what did that mean to you to reach that club especially just the ripe old age of 24 yeah it was uh it was really special it was just a special year you know i mean that that feat's only been accomplished by i think it's eight guys eight or nine guys in, in the whole history of the nba so to be able to do that just you know speaks to my ability to shoot the ball but but also the efficiency that I shot with because I, I wasn't taking 20, 25 shots a game. You know, we had a team that had other really good players, and so I was responsible for getting everybody else involved at the same time, you know, finding spots where I was able to, to, to shoot and score and, and and run the team at the same time. So, you know, to, to accomplish that feat, uh, you know, was, was awesome. It's, you know, uh, you know, for my whole career I was – over 40 from three and yep. you know, I was around 47, 48 from the field. So, you know, what I wasn't that far off for almost averaging that for my career. And then Mark, you had this great season. You had a year where you averaged 17 and 10 and uh, two years later, but what would you say uh, breaking down your whole career from your, your nine years with the Cavs, your time in Golden State, Orlando, Washington, what was your favorite season in the NBA and why? Well, I think my favorite season would probably be, you know, the year we got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it was also in the semifinals we got to knock off the Boston Celtics in the in, in the great Larry Bird uh, was his last 
last season. So I, I kind of tell people I ended Larry's career, you know, so, <laughs> you know, it was his last game that he played and, and it was just uh, a really fun time in, in the franchise and getting to the conference finals. And we had a great series, obviously fell a little bit short of beating the bulls, but uh, you know, just great, great memories and, and even more of years and games, but also just the, the guys I played with on, on the Cavs, uh, particularly the guys that were there, you know, we were there together, Brad, Larry, Hot Rod, you know, when Ron Harper was there, Craig Elo, that kind of core group of guys, and we're still all very tight to this day. And, uh, you know, that was the most fun part was playing with those guys. And so do you guys have a group chat now, Mark? Do you guys talk about what's happening with the Cavs, the NBA, like at the deadline? If there's a big trade, is it like, wow, guys, did you see that? And then you guys are all sending your emojis and whatnot. Uh, you know, we don't we don't group chat. We're 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 probably not up to speed uh, like the young <laughs> young crowd, but uh, we stay in touch. We talk with each other, and we actually they brought us all back this year while they're having a 50th celebration for kind of the Richfield Coliseum years, and and they brought our team back, and so got to catch up with a bunch of those guys, and it was all fun to just kind of sit around and even coach. Coach Lenny was back, and we got to kind of sit around and just shoot the breeze, talk about the good old days, and uh, it was it was a blast. And talking about your old team, obviously you played for a long time with Larry Nance. Now, what has it been like for you uh, getting to watch his son not only play for the Cavs, but wear his father's name and number on the back of his jersey in the same city? Yeah, that's uh... – I mean, I can't speak for Larry Nance Jr., but I would think that's got to be one of the coolest things ever. You know, you're getting to not only play professional basketball like your dad did, but you're getting to play it in the city and in the place where his jersey's retired. So, I mean, that's just got to be unbelievable, uh, you know, experience. I can't, you know, imagine that that's happened too many times over the course of or over the history of the NBA where a son's got to play where his dad uh, got his jersey retired. And now, from those positive talks about about Larry and his son, about fifty forty nine, you always got to look at the big, the full picture, you know, the full frame. And so, we talk about the shot from Jordan that he got away from Craig Eagle. You know, whether or not it's a foul, that's well, that's for history to say. But what was it like to be on the floor when that shot went in, and how did the team bounce back from watching a shot like that that always? comes on anytime that anyone talks about Michael Jordan. How do you bounce back from something like that? What does it mean to be on the court during it? Well, you know, I have to take it from my from my guy Craig Elo, who always has a great great mindset about everything. You know, people say, Do you do you hate seeing that all the time? And Craig's like, Well shoot, no man, that shot made me famous <laughs> <laughs> You know, so you gotta take positives from it. But yeah, it was uh obviously a very disappointing time, you know, during our we were we were a very good team. Matter of fact, that same season, we had beaten the Chicago Bulls six times. And a lot of people don't realize that, that the first round was only five games back then. And and so if you steal a game early, you know, it's it's tough to overcome. And we had a lot of guys that were injured, banged up. I had a pulled hamstring. I didn't even play in the first game of that series. And Chicago came in and stole that game. And we had to win a game four in Chicago to get it back to Cleveland for game five. So it was a it was a hotly contested series and, and it was just really competitive all the way down to, you know, the very last three seconds. 
you know, and, and it was just unbelievable. We were actually down by one with six seconds, and we scored in three seconds on a layup by Craig Elo. And, yep. and then Michael gets, you know, what everybody sees. But that's kind of the last part of that whole whole scenario. But uh, it was just intense and, you know, highs and lows. And the fans were going nuts after we scored. And then, you know, quiet when he scored. And it was just an unbelievable experience. And unfortunately, somebody has to be on the wrong end of that. Yeah. That, that happened to be us. And something you were not on the wrong end of, uh, thankfully, looking back on the career, the three-point shootout. Talk about, you said Larry Bird came in and uh, right before he says, so this is where the second place guys hang out. And so you won the three-point shootout that year. So I guess. My question for you is, what was it like to unofficially end Larry Bird's career in two different areas, in the three-point shootout and as a player? <laughs> yeah, I, I never thought about it that way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the first year I was in the three-point shootout, Larry won it. And then uh, I ended up having to come back, and I ended up winning it twice. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just to experience those things and to be around the greatest players at a lot of the greatest players that have ever played in the era and to be on the all-star team at the all-star games, getting to compete in the three-point shootouts against, you know, all the great players that have played in the league and, and to win it twice. It was uh, something special and something obviously I always, always remember. And then you know, from your, from your years in Cleveland, then to moving on to a couple of teams, your very next season, you're in Washington. And then you got to play with your brother, Brent, who you said five years younger. So it's, it's funny. You said you leave for college. He still got braces. He's still going through puberty. And then all of a sudden, before you retire, you guys are teammates. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. It was it was really great for us to kind of reconnect as, as adults. You know, I left when I left for college, like you said, he was still in junior high. And so, you know, we were we were close as a family. But, you know, that's a big big gap when you're in high school and, and, and things. And so we didn't, you know, hang out together that much. And so it was a blast for us just to get to spend a year. I had three kids and he got to spend time with my kids and, and, you know, our families got to, you know, reconnect and, and it was just a special time to, to get to play a season. Although unfortunately I was injured most of that year. And so we didn't get a lot of court time together, which would have been really fun. But, uh, you know, to get to be around each other, be on the same team, that was uh, a special year for both of us. And now we're thankful in today's NBA, you've had the Morrises play together, you've got the, the Lopez's and the Antetokounmpo together in Milwaukee, and you've got the Holiday duo in Indiana, and of course, can't forget the Price duo of Mark and Brent in the 95-96 campaign. And then, Mark, the next season, off Golden State, December 13th, 1996, your first game as a visitor in Cleveland. Uh, what was it like that day, and what was the reception for you like? Uh, it was uh, it was an unbelievable day. Uh, it was my first time, you know, to play on a Cavs court in another uniform. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was a little weird that way. Uh, but, you know, the fans and the reception that I got was just unbelievable. They – you know, I've always had a special relationship with the, the city of Cleveland, the fans there. Uh, they always really supported me. I think they appreciated the way that I played, uh, the effort I brought to the game every night. And, you know, it was great to come back and to receive that kind of love and support. And then uh, you get past your playing days. And now how much how much ball are you playing these days? 
Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> not a whole lot. My, uh, I get out every once in a while when my knees don't cooperate, and I kind of pour it for a little while, and then <laughs> I'll, I'll try to work myself back out there again. But, uh, you know, a few years ago when my boys were coming up and they both played basketball, and, and so I'd spend time out on the court with them and and get some shooting in and some things like that. But, uh, but I don't get out and play a whole lot anymore. Okay, so it's safe to say that you and Ice Cube won't be having a chat saying, okay, my mood's getting getting old, we want you in here. That's what you're going to say <laughs> as the oldest? Yeah, I think my mood seems to be moving a little bit better than me these days, so uh, I don't think I'm going to try <laughs> to get out there in Big Three. But what is it like for you, Mark? I'm not sure how much you watch Big Three, but obviously you see a guy like that who was in the league in your time, and now he's taking on guys that are closer to my age in their 20s and still, he's still giving them buckets. In real organized <laughs> basketball. <laughs> well, you know, bucket getters are always bucket getters. And as long as you can stay healthy, you know, you can do that. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it's amazing that he can still still get some stuff done like that at his age. And now from that, we, we conclude by talking about this year's Cavs. And what are your thoughts on this year's squad? And what do you think? should do if they want to take the next step as far as whether or not it's picking out the right guys, whether it's making a trade or just really drafting and staying the course. Yeah, I think uh, right now they're they're in that rebuild mode. They've they've gotten a lot of good young pieces uh, on the roster, uh, like Sexton, Garland, uh, you know, some other guys as well. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to make some decisions. They do have some, you know, veteran guys on the team, guys like Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and now Andre Drummond, you know, with the trade. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer to try to, uh, you know, continue to grow. Uh, they'll have another high draft pick. Uh, you know, what other, you know, free agent moves they can make or to keep, continue to fill holes in, in areas that they need to get better. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what direction that they decide to go. And how important is it, Mark, and something that's been a big problem in Cleveland probably for the last few decades, Really, since Mike Brown left, no coach has lasted more than three years at the helm. How important is it for a team that's trying to get to the next level to have the same voice in their ear and not changing it every couple of seasons? Yeah, it's 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 tough. You know, it's uh, I don't know why you know why that's been the case, uh, but yeah, I think it's hard to develop a culture, uh, kind of a no certain way things are done. Uh, when things are constantly changing all the time. And so I think that has been tough the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, obviously they got the championship year with, with LeBron and, and everything, which was fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I think the changeover in coaches, when you do have somebody that's there, I think it's good for everybody. Uh, players know what to expect, kind of the way things are done, the culture there and establishing those kinds of things. And I think they're, you know, kind of, kind of in a, situation where they need to to find the right person uh, who's going to be that guy and hopefully that comes in the next couple years without LeBron I want to say it's been since what back when Big Z still had a full head of hair that they were last in the playoffs Mark my final question for you is my friend is and I'm sure I think maybe the NBA has even discussed this I'm not sure to what extent if there were to be a retired three-point shootout champion shootout in addition to All-Star Weekend, if Adam Silver says, Mark, we'd love to have you, would you partake? What would you tell him? Oh, it'd be, it'd be a blast. 
I'd have to get out and practice a little bit. <laughs> like I said, my I've lost my legs a little. My distance isn't what it used to be, but I think you could get that back if I got out, got up some reps. But uh, that'd be, I think that'd be a blast to bring back some of the old uh, old champions and and let them see what we could do. So every February we'll check in. We'll see where the progress is, and someday we will get the Mark Price back in All Star Weekend, making things fun like he used to. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> And that'll do it for us at Across the Cavs. I am Zach West, lucky enough to be joined by Mark Price. And if you want to see him, again, you can check out his basketball skills camp in Cleveland and Northeast Ohio at the West Lake City Recreation Center, April 14th to 17th, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's a four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, two-time three-point shootout, and one-time phenomenal individual. So, Mark, thank you again for coming on today. It's been a blast, and thank you. Not only one interview, but for sitting through two, so you're very sorry. <laughs> no problem, Zach. Enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, Mark. Have a wonderful day, and, you know, as always, beat a fight. Let's go, Cavs.